Drop what you're doing, Internet. Two bearded dudes in their 30s are talking about movies. It's The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. Treat the freeway. <laughs> like all family establishments like in the family valley. Establishments. <laughs> oh, or yeah. LA. Uh, so, any last thoughts on Deadpool? No, I really... Uh, it was such an enjoyable movie. It was sort of hard to have a podcast about it. A little bit, yeah. You know, because because like, anything ne- anything negative didn't really stick. No, no. Or was a quibble. Yeah, as you've just heard. Uh, and the positives, I thought, I think the highs were. Hey, yeah. You're probably thinking this was a superhero movie, but that guy in the suit just turned that other guy into a fucking kebab. Surprise! This is a different kind of superhero story. To tell it right, we gotta take you back before I squeeze this ass in the spandex. It's the Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. I show my inner fat kid. What's that? I show I'm showing my inner fat kid by going nachos and burrito. <laughs> I love this because we um, started the year off so right. So right. Made it through our second one. Still doing pretty well. I'm, I'm gone off the rails. I yeah, I am too. I'm actually about to get back on track with it again. But for right now, I'm sitting here with this gigantic carnitas bowl. And have and 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 no regrets. So <laughs> side uh, of no regrets. So all right, let's get into it. All right, welcome back to the Wild Brunch the podcast, where we go see a movie, grab some brunch, and talk about that movie. And then at the end of brunch, we decide which is better, which one, the brunch or the movie. That's right. Um, I'm Joe. I'm Alex, and today we're joining you from Hugo's Tacos in Studio City, California. I think it's fair to note that it was a um, Im- improvised option B. It was a plan B because plan A, which let's not let's not give them the publicity. No. Nope. Um, but it was a place that was voted one of LA's ten best chimichanga places, which we picked for its thematic relevance to discuss today's movie, which is Deadpool. And for those of you that don't know, the character of Deadpool. Um, is a huge fan of chimichangas. Time to make the chimmy fucking changas. I didn't ask to be super, and I'm no hero. But when you find out your worst enemy is after your best girl, the time has come to be a fucking superhero. <laughs> right up Main Street. But that place was booked. Hugo's is always great. Um, it wasn't just booked. It, it was. was like, it was insane. It's. It bears mentioning. It's. It's one o'clock on a Sunday, and this yeah. place was like. 10 o'clock Saturday busy. Somebody's quinceanera. Very conceivably, yeah. Um, it's a shame. Now now we were just saying a minute ago, it's like, I gotta know what's going on in there. So, there's a Yelp review out there where somebody just, the only, re- all the review was, was the, wor- the words steak chimichanga in all caps. <laughs> so I'm, I'm now obligated to go try it. So we'll be back there, either for like Deadpool 2, or we'll just pick something that has nothing to do with it, and it'll just be, you know, a chimichanga deferred. <laughs> So as we said, we're at Hugo's Tacos. Um, I was just saying to Alex that I'm showing my inner fat kid by having ordered their world-famous and delicious nachos uh, with no meat and their pico de gallo and a chicken burrito. Outstanding. Uh-huh. I'm sitting here with the carnitas bowl, which is one of my go-tos from them. I also love the tacos. I love the everything here. I love it all here. I actually, so I haven't good. been here in forever. But I'm glad we did it then. Mm. It was. Good on you for like being so on that. It was like the, the emergency shoot, man. It's why I'm. It's why I'm glad we're actually in the valley. It's the only place I know anything. <laughs> if we'd been, if we'd been literally anywhere else, I would have been like, uh, you're calling. Yep. 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 <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, so Deadpool. I'm so Deadpool. I'm actually, it's like, on the one hand, yeah, like, I saw the movie, I think, three weeks ago, when it was new. And I know we really wanted to discuss it, and I'm glad we're discussing it, but I think the fact that it's faded from memory a little bit belongs in the discussion about it. I think so, too. I, I, and I think that it's also worthwhile to note, though, that, like, it hasn't faded from, like, pop cultural memory no. yet. Like, it is crushing it at the box mm-hmm. office. It has sort of, like, cha- made a, created a paradigm shift in, like, comic book movie production already. But what's interesting about that, too, is did you read the James Gunn thing, like, a couple yeah. of days after yeah. it came out, where he said, in summary, don't learn the wrong lessons from the success of Deadpool? This does not mean make every comic book movie rated R. This means make the movie you want to make. But the first reaction for everyone is for Batman versus Superman to say, don't worry, the Blu-ray version is going to be oh, yeah, rated R. That rated for R. Marvel to have to, Marvel Studios to have to come out and say, we're not going to go into the rated R comic book movie business. Like, the fact that it's become like, like I, I think it was pretty prescient of James Gunn to realize it, and he's a guy who's been through it himself mm-hmm. after, every, after the success of Guardians Everyone tried to do Guardian, like tried to replicate Guardians exactly, instead of realizing that the fun thing about Guardians is how weird and unlike other things it is. Well, isn't that Hollywood for always learning the wrong lesson? Mm. It's like the Louis B. Mayer lesson. It's like find out what makes money, and if it makes money, just do that until it doesn't. Absolutely. It's just the trouble is, we're theoretically more sophisticated now, or at least theoretically, <laughs> theoretically. Or at least can smell a rat a little bit more easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I, for me, actually, like, the one of the memes that's gone around that I would agree with if I didn't think it was sort of stating the obvious, but it's like, Deadpool's not the first R-rated comic book movie, not by a long shot. I don't understand why that's valuable currency. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think it is. I think it's, it's perceived fact. as valuable. I don't understand. Because Sorry. it made so much money, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so then all of a sudden, like, retroactively, we look back and we're like, uh weird $50 million uh, obscure character or cult character uh, rated R. There's the recipe. There's our recipe right, for being but number it, one of the box. But if that were the case, then then Blade would have been the paradigm for nearly 20 years now. But that came in... That came, that came yeah, at a before, different right, time. Right before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting to me, I, I like Deadpool, I really did. Um, and it's, it's weird to think of it as like finally Ryan... Finally... Handsome, married to Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, caught a break. <laughs> it's weird to think of it that way, especially because he's been, he's worked consistently for 15 years now, so it's not, you know. Can I ask you a question? A yeah. Movie question? Sure. Do you have any relationship to the character at all? Yeah. I mean, I read pretty much the entirety of Jerry Dugan and Brian Posehn's run on it, yeah. which was fantastic. Fantastic. But that was really my introduction to it. Um, I was aware of the character, but I didn't have... Um, I didn't have any real affinity for him before that. Got it. Um, I thought, I mean, I thought Ryan Reynolds was fine casting for it. I mean, he's he's a proven track record for being a sort of lean on the fourth wall smartass. Absolutely. So to literally let him do that would be great. I, what I wanted for a long time, especially reading the Dugan Posehn ones, was I wanted them to make Deadpool a 100% CGI creation like a la Gollum or or, or or make it a mocap for performance or something and then have it be voiced by Brian Posehn because that was that was certainly the voice I was reading it in because it was so clearly in Posehn's voice when, when he was writing it but I'm 
that's just that that's that's my perspective because yeah. that's my only exposure to the character. Yeah. Like I don't I don't have any other real affinity for it. Also, it's just because like Ryan Reynolds makes sense for the casting, but there's not anything like there wasn't anything especially exciting about him being cast in the part. It was like Chris Evans being cast as Captain America. Chris Evans is a great Captain America, and you know, and that's fun and everything. But it's like there was nothing like when they announced that casting that I was like, oh yeah, let's see what this guy can do with well, it. Well, and I think what made it, the only thing that made it interesting for me was that he wanted it to be made so bad. Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, that's what it's seemed so far. A mainstream passion project is a weird thing to come across. You're right. That's well put. But it, thank you. And, and like with Guardians, what impresses me about what made it to the finished product isn't outlandish violence isn't isn't the fact that it's an R-rated comic book movie that doesn't excite me what excites me about it is it's a studio product but it's weird like it's content to be weird oh yeah. we we haven't done our 10 words that's what I was just gonna yeah, say yeah. let's do our 10 word capsule review after you sir after me mm-hmm. alright um Deadpool in 10 words man this Van Wilder 3 is fucking crazy as fuck <laughs> Um, and for me, it's uh, Deadpool. Like Spider-Man. If Spider-Man gave zero fucks and got pegged. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Got pegged. Well, because that's... If I have one complaint about the movie, is that it's not weird enough. It's built on kind of the same the same skeleton as Spider-Man, as, as, any, of these, as any of these origin stories that we've seen for the last 15 years now. But... And I'm not saying they need to get weird with the story. The structure could say exactly the same. They could go through. They could tell the exact same story. What What bothered me was that after a while, like all the outlandish stuff felt really front loaded to me. Like sure. the opening action sequence on the freeway, yep. and that the, they kept coming back to and everything. And a lot of the a lot of your more memorable quips were at the top. But by the, the end, the opening credits, which deserve which, a little which bit were of brilliant, a, yeah. which were great. Um, you know, all those great ideas were right up at the top. I agree. And then the problem is, it just became sort of progressively more conventional. Mm-hmm. The storytelling did anyway. Like there were still good gags all the way throughout, mm-hmm. but it never, it never got so unhinged that it was just you're in Insano Land. Like, right. have you seen Kingsman? Yeah. Okay. I, which I love. I, I like it fine, and but I think structurally it accomplished something that I wish Deadpool had, which is that. Kingsman's another one that front loads a lot of its better gags and then gets pretty run-of-the-mill sort of around the middle. Then it has that that sequence at the end, the, the two minutes of people's heads exploding in, in colorful sparkles that I fell out of my chair laughing at that when I saw it last year because it was... because the movie had become so conventional at that point, but they saved a punch for the end. Right. And that ended up becoming... having this kind of transcendent effect where it's like... You're at this level. I'm holding my hand about average height. You're at this level. Yeah. You're heightening. You're heightening. You're heightening. You're sort of leveling off, and then you're through the roof. And it's uh, uh, and you can do that even with a simple gag. Even like in Django, when Tarantino blows up with the satchel full of dynamite, like just totally. stuff like that, where it's this unexpected little hook, but that gives you a nice little kick going into the end of the movie. And I think if oh, this yeah. had had that, it, I think if Deadpool had had that, it would have stuck with me more. They also say you can have, like, you can watch a lousy play, and if there's a great curtain call, you'll walk out of the theater mm-hmm. happy. And I do think that, like, Deadpool could have had a really kind of more apropos curtain call for, like, the nature of the film. I agree. I have to say, like, as a Deadpool fanatic, mm. because I am, um, I liked it so much as a... I 
didn't like it as much as I could like a Deadpool mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm. That that was where I'm at with it. I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, this, this they they ruined something else for me, mm -hmm. and I wasn't like this transcends. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just it hit me right in the middle seat. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think it was a nice little. I think it was a nice little kick in the teeth for mid February. Like sure. I think it would have gotten sure. lost any other time of the year. I think they got to really own. The first six weeks of the year, I think they had a, ran a great marketing campaign. Ran a really, great marketing campaign. really sent you right to the front door of the movie, and that's that's always admirable when it's done well like that, and when and when the movie actually delivers. the The problem was I was left feeling like, like I said, like they front loaded a lot of their good ideas, and then by the end of it, you're just you're well, you're in a finale that could have happened in any superhero movie because they did, they they did. Loaded, yeah. yeah. Having said that, there were things that I liked all the way throughout. Like they never, they never ran out of ideas, which is good. They never ran out of ideas, but they never quite. I don't know. It just there was never that thing that was going to knock me off of my chair just from from heightened awesomeness. Yeah, a couple good little in jokes. I mean, look, I, I like the fact that you're that that the finale happens aboard like a wrecked helicarrier. Nobody talks about. There's no mention of what. Of what Ajax's greater plan is, which is fine because, but even if he did, it doesn't matter to Deadpool. And the movie is so rooted in Deadpool's perspective that it's like I love that whatever he's got going on, restoring this this junked uh, helicarrier for whatever nefarious purposes, doesn't matter. No. Not what we're here to do. Yeah, we're here to kill the bad guy, get the girl. Yeah, and I, uh, and which is. Which is fine because then they avoid some of the overwrought shit that you can get in the third act of these things. But but then still the goal is still just the same. Kill the bad guy, get the girl. And the only reason that they're allowed to escape it is because with a movie like Deadpool or a character like Deadpool, they get to say, oh, isn't it cliche that all we're doing is going to get the bad guy mm -hmm. and get their, kill the bad guy and get the girl? Mm -hmm. I thought they actually did an okay job of having their cake and needing it too for that stuff. Because like... Yeah, I agree. I was talking this over with a buddy of mine. Because I think the sort of closest neighbor to a movie like this in in the world of comic book movies, I think, has been Kick-Ass, mm -hmm. but which I hated. Oh, hated it. Mm -hmm. Just thought it was so sour and ugly and mean and sadistic and just all these things. Largely similar ingredients to Deadpool. I think when Deadpool wants to make fun of comic book movie tropes, it, it was coming from a place of. Yeah, but we love comic book movies. Right. You're going to see a, a kick-ass fight on a wrecked helicarrier in some other movie, so we're going to wink at it because we appreciate the fact that we dig seeing stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Kick-ass was, li was like, isn't it dumb when stuff happens in superhero movies? Yeah. I definitely think, like, Deadpool, it came from a loving place. It came from a place of, like... Loving the things it was making fun of. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. No, I agree. It's very rare that a movie comes along now in my life and I'm like, yep, this movie this is going to be a part of my life. I'm going to watch this until I sicken myself of watching it. Like, it's going to change like the way e. I think or about the stuff. Goonies or Jaws. One time? Or even later in life, like in college, when you can still do, or way into my 20s, when it's like something like like a movie that I would have been super hung up on. To live and die in LA. Uh, yeah, or like like even like, like, like the Guy Ritchie movie Snatch, like, mm -hmm. which I loved when it was new, and now I'm like... I, I, I don't I would I, it's just not something I would make that kind of time for that kind of repeat viewing to really like study and analyze and really get to know I'll still do that for movies there's still movies that I really want to like chop up and admire and and 
analyze anything, but it's just it's they're much fewer and further between. Absolutely, and I think like like you said, that comes with age and where you and just what you what you get what to we have life. all the things we have to do with our time. Yeah, um, I think that I do want to talk about for a minute, not to digress, but to just discuss the effect that it's suddenly and very urgently had on all these movies mm-hmm. that are suddenly now like like and couldn't have put it James Gunn couldn't have put it put it better like don't learn the wrong lesson mm-hmm. and now instantly almost immediately Zack Snyder came out and said don't worry there's an R-rated cut of Batman vs. Superman and then um, what did they say about Civil War that it referred to it as the most brutal and like, but that's and and but my point about Deadpool is, and maybe it's because I'm desensitized to watching it through a different lens. But apart from a couple of pretty spectacularly colorful kills, I don't feel like that R was predominantly for violence, just so much as like Probably a tone, a grown-up tone. tone. Yeah, and I feel like uh, some, 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 at no point yeah. was did I uh, um, did I find myself reacting kind of squeamishly to any of the violence. No. I thought it was all appropriate. Yeah. It all seemed to fit in. With the world of the movie, I thought that um, I thought that everybody, uh, all of the actors in it, everybody seemed kind of psyched to be there. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was uh, uh, seemed to be having a good time. I think it's worth it to note that the director Tim Miller is like a first-time feature, first-time feature, yeah. and in his fifties or forties or fifties, I okay. think he's an older, older dude. I don't want to like age him <laughs> or like call him out or anything, but no, but um, it's interesting because that that, that I don't. I don't think you can make generalizations about a filmmaker by their age, probably, but it doesn't... doesn't First do, every, everyone was Everyone was psyched to show up. Psyched to show up. And I do think that, like, love, like him or not, and I don't know that I have a distinct opinion about him, and yeah, this may have been, like, Van Wilder and Red Spandex, uh, he was... Ryan Reynolds was supremely well-used. His All his talents were well-utilized. Um... He looks good. He makes funny jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks fast. He, yeah, kicked ass. I thought it, I thought that it was a good use of his talents, and he seemed he he was putting his he was putting it out there. He, he brought was, a real Bugs Bunniness to yeah. the character, which is what I think really helped. Like, yeah. and I think that set the tone for the thing because I think you don't lose sight of the fact you're in a cartoon, and you and I have talked a lot about just the increasing gritty, dull gravity realism, of, of, of the dark and gritty superhero yeah. movies and it's like what was fun about this one is they're like yeah it's a cartoon we got a metal man over here and we yeah. got you know and yeah people who are you like <laughs> Gina Carano who is typically just like you know I mean she can fight for sure like I, I love watching her fi- I love yeah. watching her fight in a movie but she's not typically that much of a presence she looked like she was having a good time yeah absolutely. she never looks like she's having a good time I know I know I know and I think like uh, the casting of um, what's his name uh, um, man this is horrible um, his, uh, the comedian uh, oh T.J. Miller T.J. Miller mm-hmm. that was outstanding yeah um, they played off each other really well and I do think that the story of Deadpool could have been one where you run it through that 
the grim and gritty filter because you know he has this like um, uh, deteriorating uh, cancer mm-hmm. he ends up kind of going insane from all the uh, Weapon X experimentation and I think like you could have gone it could have been easy to go down the wrong road to go down the wrong path mm-hmm. not the wrong path but that path yeah. and you, we wouldn't have ended up with the movie that we got which I think is why it was so satisfactory yeah I, I, I agree um, those opening credits were yeah that was fantastic that was I mean, fantastic you tell they were really proud of their opening sequence yeah. of, of that, that opening action sequence which I went back and watched the footage that leaked on YouTube yeah the original like test footage alarmingly close no like, I think so like, and I think super like, close that footage got the movie made in mm-hmm. a way because it was sort of like Ryan Reynolds and I don't all even these, think in a way I think it, it got it, it made did, yeah and all these guys got together and were like you want to know what a Deadpool movie could be like this mm-hmm. is what it could be like and I think it's great because it is it, it, it is like a violent Bugs Bunny cartoon yeah absolutely which is just a Bugs Bunny like, cartoon you get down for to the it most part, right? um, going back to Kick-Ass for my problem with it was because I thought it was a cartoon it thought it was a cartoon but at the same time thought it was being so daring yeah. with its take on vi- like like it had that attitude like it's like my parents aren't around so I'm going to say fuck all I want Absolutely. like a kid like, like a kid. kid like a kid yeah. and this was much more like no the violence is incidental the, the, the language is incidental you can be creative with it and have fun with it and get laughs out of it but like but that's not but that in and of itself is not enough right um so it's is it possible to describe their take on the material as mature yeah because I think I think it would be worth it to give them that credit I think it would be like it's actually a pretty grown up movie you get right down to it I mean I think some things well we had we had a sex scene in this movie that was somehow in the context of that movie and in the context of sex scenes in movies Tasteful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, tasteful and funny. Served, and like, served a narrative purpose. Hundred percent. They, they. I love that they use that to show the passage of time and getting together. Yeah. I, the one thing, and this is just one little touch, is that when they got to the pagan gag, it felt like he kind of no homoed it. Like, oh, like totally. they were a little afraid of losing the audience, and I actually think it would be more in keeping with the character to just be down with it. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's him. 100%. But, having said that, I like that they can throw him in a Rent t-shirt, they can make Brenda Peters jokes, and not... There's no... Apart from maybe that the throwaway punchline to the pagan gag, I don't think there's any, like, real gay panic to the movie that right. I that I discerned. Right. Which I think is great. Which yeah. you know, I, I thought it was No, it's an interesting point. I don't I don't recall what the line was or what the what the moment was uh, in that gag, but mm. it's true. There was a little bit of like a He basically negates it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that was it's like if you're gonna go that far to include then you've the got gag it. just you know yeah. You can't uh, you can't uh, take us to like the sh- the shitty bar that you found uh, online and wanted to go to and once we get there you make us all feel bad that we're all there you know what I mean like yeah I mean it's, yeah. it's don't make us feel stupid for getting us to this place it looked to me like like they were hedging their bets like they were like they were like you can keep this joke you can keep this gag in if you loop it back around and you know like I guess protect the homophobes in the audience is that what we're saying I guess or just like you said I think protecting the straight like, maleness of yeah, the, of the character. character yeah um which wait, so that's is not excusable it's kind of uh, silly and you hope for something 
different, but... Well, especially because, like, most superheroes, most superhero movies, these characters don't actually possess a functioning sexuality. Right. Like, they just don't. Never have. So, they introduce one in this to go to sort of a new boundary, and then I feel like that's what it was. It's not, it, it's, it's not even about, like, negating... The, the power reversal or anything. It's really just about like, well, you guys introduced this. Like, yeah. you, you brought this up. You're you're the one that brought us here. It felt it felt like not committing to the you're game. You're the ones that told us this was a cool place. <laughs> Come on. Right. I think that that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what other moments. Although I, I will say this about that same scene. I read a review online from I forget which publication. A very very far right Christian right publication that had not seen the movie, sure. had no scruples about reviewing it all the same. Uh-huh. Why not? Why not? Um, and cited that scene as being like basically like the first domino in the collapse of civilization. Because he had to explain that scene to his boys. Right. Didn't have to explain Deadpool like skewering a guy with two samurai swords and lifting him in the air or shooting three dudes through the face with the same bullet. Like, I, but, 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 functionally dies, comes back from the grave with healing powers. Come on, man. Tells her hunt with a prostitute. I mean, it's, it's, come on. It's, it's do I have to spell it out for you? Basically. It's actually, Deadpool's a better Christ allegory than Man of Steel, which kept saying it was a Christ, Christ allegory. allegory. <laughs> there, I said it. You heard it here first. It's true. It's true. Oh, that's good. Oh, my Judas. Um, What's to eat? What's to drink? Good food galore. Quick as a wink. I think also, like, it's a movie that looked really good. Uh, They did all of their best to, like, sort of, uh, through some interesting loopholes, tie it into the greater universe, uh, Mm -hmm. or in their way, in the only ways that they could, and... They did. Uh, they did it for like a fraction of all these huge comic book movies that do less. A third of what well, Avengers? It, oh, it cost a third. Yeah, yeah. You know. And from what I read, and this could be apocryphal. I read it in the IMDb trivia, which is sort of the birthplace of apocrypha yeah. for movies. But like the gag of him forgetting his 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 ammo bag in the car in, yeah. in the cab um, that was apparently apparently they had originally planned a much more elaborate uh, final fight but basically budgetary constraints forced them to, to to rein it in yeah so him leaving the bag in the car was their solve for that that's uh, fun and it's like that's actually that's that's a good creative problem solve well and I like that they relied both on a creative narrative problem solve like that. And then also relied on the fact that Deadpool is a character that breaks the fourth wall yeah. to address the fact that they could only afford two X-Men. <laughs> You'd think that we would see more of you. <laughs> I like, uh, yeah. No, I, th- I that thought was pretty, that was a pretty fun. wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was fun. I thought they made a good use of the X-Men, and it felt like that felt like I liked the, the young actress that played Negasonic Teenage Warhead yeah she was fun she, she was fun I'm sure, she, I'm sure we're going to start seeing her in I everything. hope so yeah um, that felt like including those characters felt like felt like uh, 
the filmmakers having to make a compromise to get the movie made. Like, like, okay, if this guy's tied to X Men, you got to tie him to X Men. I think so. And we you, we can only afford we can only afford Colossus and Negasonic. I think so in a way they work. chose right though, and they handled it in the best I, way possible. I think they totally chose right, and I think there was this sense of they had to eat their vegetables. Mm-hmm. But, but they get dessert but, but after. Like, but, but not only that, well, the whole movie's dessert. They had to eat their vegetables, but they approached it from the perspective, well, yeah, vegetables probably aren't going to kill us. Yeah. And they found some good uses for it. I loved, I love the Colossus barfs chrome. Oh, That yeah. was, like, such a yeah. great throwaway gag. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. there it was. I loved it. Yeah. I thought that was. I thought that was great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, look, and I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, there's the new X-Men movie just a couple of months away, and it's it's such a crowded landscape right now that it's actually easy to forget, like, oh, right, X-Men are a thing. Like, if you're just a casual fan, oh, right, X-Men are a going concern right now. Yeah. Um, so I understand, I even understand the studio's perspective in it. It's like, you gotta help keep this, uh, you, you gotta keep the ball in the air. If you want your $50 million, right, here yep, we go. If you want your R rating. But for that, we'll let you shit on the last time we put tried to put Deadpool in a movie yep. and fucked it up. Yep. We'll let you shit on the X-Men movies. We'll let you shit on Green Lantern. Yeah. That had been, that was in the original, that was a producer note, I'm sure. Oh, oh, absolutely. Make a Green Lantern <laughs> joke. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it all worked. It was all fun. It was all it was all well made. I just I w- and now that we're talking about it, it looked again, good. The world was good. I felt yeah. like there was a certain um, they they walked a nice fine line between I think the world that some iterations of the comic character has existed in and our own real world mm-hmm. and the universe that. Brian Singer's X-Men sort of occupy. Yeah. It, it, I really, at no point was I like, oh, you're breaking the rules of your own world. Your uh, your world is inconsistent. Your tone is, in, the tone of your world is inconsistent. I felt like it was homogenous in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll it'll fit in that box set just fine one of these days. Yeah. Um, and I think, and now that we're talking about it again, like, there's... Uh, it's bringing back a lot more that I enjoyed about the movie than I maybe had retained the last couple of weeks. Yeah, because it was fun. It was it was definitely a fun movie. Um, I'm not sorry that there are going to be more of them. I'm you know, I feel like when this when this pops up on HBO, I'm sure I, w- I, I would totally check it out again. But again, it's not something that I'm like stitching to like li- like it didn't it didn't get stuck in my head. It didn't, it's not something I'm like stitching to. Uh, uh, my my perspective on movies all that much. I loved it. I loved it as a Deadpool movie. And the only reason that I'll own it and then it will be part of my collection is because I'm a. I have to buy everything that has Deadpool on it. Sure. So were I not an uh, insane Deadpool fan, like it would, it, I would have walked out of that movie still satisfied. But like, yeah, yeah. Uh, if that shows up on on uh, USA in five years, um, <laughs> I'd actually, I would actually it. love to see the edited for USA version. Absolutely, I think that would be hilarious. absolutely. Always staying fun, and I was, I was really concerned. I know we talked about it a little bit last time with Hail Caesar. That notion of prom king comedy. I think what I was nervous about with Ryan Reynolds is that this would come off like that. Sure. Like this would be, look at what a goofball I can be, and look yeah. at how much fun I can have. And it's like, really, it's not a character that's a good uh, uh, showcase for that. It's not. There's no self-deprecation in playing Deadpool. I mean, yes, right. he is cosmetically ugly, but he also wears a he wears a badass getup and yeah. and just just kills dudes left, right, and center in awesome acrobatic ways and gets the girl. So it's like. 
I was, I was like worried there would be I was worried there would be some sense some vibe going up for Ryan Reynolds like look how grubby I'm willing to go look how much I'm willing to make fun of myself it's like well you're not you're really just you're, you're, you're playing a badass superhero like yeah. I'm glad that you get to be the cool guy and no I'm glad what. that he played it like he was being the cool guy yeah. not like he was uh, condescending to have his face get fucked up yeah you know it's, not, yeah and it's and that's that approach is always gonna is always gonna work uh, work a little bit better. That maybe was a place where I was at the very I, there there were a couple moments where they maybe treaded into that territory where it's like you don't want to see my face. And oh was yeah, like, yeah, you look kind of like a wrinkled te- testicle, but like. That's a about... well, like if Ryan Reynolds was a wrinkled testicle, but if, yeah, like that's yeah, yeah like a good-looking yeah. wrinkled testicle. testicle. You're a very <laughs> handsome ballsack. Can I say that? <laughs> you are speaking to Ryan Reynolds in the abstract here, right? That's not, that's not aimed at me. And well, I, I mean, take whatever, your take your pick, buddy. Cool. Take your pick. It's cool. <laughs> this is a family establishment sandwich between a parking lot, a busy street, and a freeway. Like all family establishments like all in the family valley. Establishments. <laughs> oh, or yeah. LA. Uh, so, any last thoughts on Deadpool? No, I really, uh, it was such an enjoyable movie, it was sort of hard to have a podcast about it. A little bit, yeah. You know? Because I, I, like, I, anything ne- anything negative didn't really stick. No, no. Or was a quibble. Yeah. As you've just heard. Uh, and the positives, I thought, I think the highs were only so high and the lows were only so low. Totally. But somehow it didn't... So I'm, I'm left with this sense of it should be, by that logic, should be mediocre, but it's not. Yep. It's, 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 no, I agree. Yeah. I, that's an interesting way to put it, because it, it is just about middle C, but it's like so on tone yeah. and so in key that it's like that. It's like a pure, harmonious vibration. It feels like they set their, they set their goals realistically, modestly. Then put all of their energy into nailing those realistic goals. goals. Yeah. Um, so, all right. What wins? Uh, well, I gotta say, for me anyway, this is unprecedented. Partly because, well, first of all, the Carnitas Bowl is something I've had probably in the hundreds of times by now. Um, Deadpool beat brunch. All right. All mm-hmm. right. Uh-huh. Um, unprecedented for me as well with the Fat Kid special, uh, nachos and a burrito. Um, I'm actually going to call it a draw. Draw. Yeah. Exciting. Because they, it was a really good burrito, not life-changing. Mm-hmm. And Deadpool was a really good movie, but not no life-changing. But So I'm, I'm going to call it a uh, Mexican standoff. <laughs> so Deadpool is uh, greater than or equal to brunch. Greater than or equal to Greater brunch. Pretty good. Brunch. Uh, once again, a big shout out and thank you to our producer, Brian Weiss. Um, I'm Joe Tower. I'm Alex Crudet, and this has been The Wild Brunch reminding you talk with your mouthful. This has been The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe, recorded live in Los Angeles. Produced by Brian Weiss. Executive produced by Alex Crudet and Joe Tower. Wild Brunch themed by Magnetic Music, with additional music by Billy and Johnny. Intro and outro by Daryl Cliff. Hey, that's me. The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe, a Hatbeard Company production. Hey, Brian, I'm rolling while I'm fetching napkins. On the next Wild Brunch. First of all, 
Who the fuck wants an R-rated Batman and Superman movie? Who who asked for this? What can possibly? What would I? I what about those? What about those characters is going to be interesting to watch in an R-rated uh, framework? Like, tell me what? what you can think of to put in there that would make the MPA and give it an R rating. For God's sake, the promise that he made, like we're all waiting for it. Mm. Well, we'll get into this more in next month's episode when we're actually going to see Batman Superman. Are we really? Yeah, we are. I know. Of course we I are. I know we are.